0: That was my song, Originalysis, which I did a long time ago. For a new section on our podcast, we're doing interviews with people from around Winnipeg. Here's an interview with Jordy Walker of the West End Cultural Center. What is the West End Cultural Center?
1: The West End Cultural Center is is a a music venue primarily with uh, with a lot more than your average music venue. It's it's got a it's got a strong belief in in supporting the community, the the direct community that it's located in the West End of Winnipeg, as well as uh, the Canadian music community and the Winnipeg music community—it's—it's it's a pretty pretty cool place. It used to be an old church that was converted into a pretty pretty great-sounding place to do music stuff. My function at the West End Cultural Center is called Community Programmer, which is basically taking some of the community outreach that's been done in the past, taking bringing community into the West End and bringing the West End to community, and. Uh, and setting just setting up programs and making sure that the programs that are in place uh, continue and, and are done as well as they can be working here is great it's a it's not it's not uh, a normal job in the sense of an office job or um, a lot of a lot of jobs that I see in the in the in the world and that people people go to their jobs to earn money I think people come here to earn money but because they want to be involved in something that's uh, that they believe in and and that it's that's That's fun. I guess I mean it, it's real fun for sure Although I don't think that's the primary reason that that we work here, but I mean the The vibe in the office is really great all the all the people working here are lots of lots of fun And, and real just super people so it it's got its challenges. It's a it's a any working with any kind of community is is difficult because you have to compromise and you have to see things other people's way and that's kind of the idea is it's a it's a growing and learning experience but it's so rewarding for sure. Well, I moved to Winnipeg about uh seven months ago now. And when I first moved here I was living on Spence Street and and I wasn't I wasn't doing a whole lot aside from looking for work and for uh Trying to trying to get some music stuff happening for myself. I'm a musician and music instructor, and uh, I was starting to look for some studio space for myself. And I was looking around the area that I was living in, the West End or West Broadway, and realizing that that there were a lot of pretty amazing things happening. There were um, there's some good initi- good great initiatives in that community in this community to to make to make life better for people. Um, who live there, such as Art City. I took a, and I just kind of took a look at at that and said, Well, why would I be looking for something for for myself when there's when there's so much need for for uh, things for community-oriented kind of things and you know specifically in the arts there's there's a lot of initiatives and so so I actually just walked in here and asked them if they had any any form of community uh, music Mentoring or instruction or anything like that that I could be involved with, and they had just put in an application to to do this program called Tune In. Tune In was a basically an after-school music music program to learn uh, rock instruments such as the drums and and guitar and bass and and aimed at aimed at youth in in this community between the ages of 13 and 18.
0: What's your involvement in the local music scene in Winnipeg?
1: Well, I, I teach guitar at a music store in Saint Vital called Major and Minor Music and um, do that a couple nights a week. So I kind of know some some people out there learning music, learning guitar and that kind of thing. And, and, uh, and I play I play music. I haven't done a ton of gigging, but I I've, I've uh, I mean lately I I've, I've been playing with Christine Fellows, a local singer-songwriter who does a bit more touring than anything and and recording. Who is amazing. She her music blows my mind. I love it. I totally love it. Uh, and she's introduced me to a fair amount of people for sure and I've got a good good glimpse into the music scene even though I haven't really gotten out there too much because of more than anything I've been working here and working at uh, at guitar teaching stuff as well as recording my own music is kind of kind of what I'm focusing on right now is just finishing up my my next recording um, and then yeah I'll be looking at getting a band and, and getting right into the scene
0: What's your recording like that you're working on?
1: Well I've I've uh, I've done I've done a lot of different kinds of music in my life and most of it has uh has a a rock kind of basis to it with some some sort of jazz influence it's it's I don't know I guess I guess at this point it would be called alternative rock or or uh, in, indie rock or something like that but but I like to I like to take basically recognizable music and structures and and do strange things with it and and add strange sounds and strange instruments just just because that's kinda of the way things happen in my head and go out through my hands it's kind of a kind of a weird thing. What kind of music do you like? Music that's challenging challenging convention in some ways with paying respect to it at the same time um, I really really love creative music I, I suppose I suppose a lot of the music that happens on the radio doesn't fall into that category, but at the same time, I'm a, a, a super sucker for for catchiness and and pop melodies. So I can turn on the radio and appreciate a lot of it, even though uh, my ethical stance is is kind of against against the idea of of real huge corporate support. Really, I love I lo- I'm one of these people. I guess I guess a lot of people are like this that can say that. It's not really a particular style of music that they don't like. More just an approach to making music that I, that I don't really get into as much. I I prefer music that's made made with a an intent to to create and to make something challenging and interesting and creative as opposed to something commercial.
0: And how did you first get involved in music?
1: My parents put me in piano lessons. Actually, my mom started showing me piano when I was about five. And and that kind of thing. My dad showed me some ukulele, and I was always trying to get him to show me the guitar when I was a kid. Uh, but it wasn't until I was about twelve that I actually started picking up his guitar and trying to figure some stuff out. And he he figured, okay, if you're if you're figuring it out at this point, then fine, I'll show you. He was always really reluctant to actually force music on me because <clears throat> because that can be a can be a bad thing and and then I just started playing in as many bands as I could when I was about 12 and 13 and 14 and just just doing it just putting bands together and writing songs and getting gigs at local community centers and all ages venues and Just as much as I could Cool.
0: Thanks. Thank you. Thank you This is a song called literal translations by Jordy Walker And it's a rough mix of a song off his new album. That's gonna be released pretty soon (coughs) That was Literal Translations by Jordy Walker, look out for his new album coming out soon.
2: gonna read a few haikus I wrote. Well, it's kind of hard to explain. It started off because I just thought of one haiku because I really like the idea of haikus and then I got another one in my head so I started writing like separate haikus and then I realized that these haikus kind of went together so it's kind of a real poem but it's compiled of five haikus. Here it is, it's called The Crowd. Multicolored men singing their song all alone in the mob's middle. Their masks were the hats glaring at the sky and sun in faceless wonder. Just another face, without a face, in the crowd, unknown and unseen. Faced with smiling smiles, a smile not at all their own for all of their lives. Hoods and coats cloaking the rainbow-colored people with black and white masks. That was my poem, and I wrote it while I was walking home, and I had an, I would, an, a haiku would just strike me, so I'd take out a piece of paper, and I'd just r- quickly scribble it down, And people were giving me odd looks because I'd just be walking and then I'd be like, oh! And then I'd pull something out and I'd run up to the wall and start writing on it. So maybe that's where the idea of uh, a crowd came from because I was always seeing different people giving me looks like they were looking at somebody taking off their mask or something and like showing the colors or something like that. And I am quite proud of what came out of it and I actually really like it.
0: This is a story that I wrote called or that I'm writing called Tim's Dream and here is chapter 1. "Teach me to fly," said Tim. "Sure," responded Briggs. He whipped the ball at the wall, and its velocity doubled as it came to a flying halt in the net of Tim's lacrosse stick. "That didn't help," croaked Tim. "Check this out then," Briggs said, and with double the intensity of the previous throw, whipped the ball at the wall. Time didn't stop, but Tim's perception of it did. He didn't actually see the ball coming, but he thought about it afterwards. The steel-cored ball with its tasty rubber outside hit Tom's nose. That's not flying, wheezed Tim as he wheeled to the ground. Briggs ran around flailing his arms helplessly until he realized that he had to deal with Tim, which he then did. "Tim? Tim? He didn't respond. Tim? Briggs turned his head up in a frantic panic. He then experienced what Tim had experienced a few short seconds ago. His perception of time slowed as he saw the still-bouncing ball hit Tim in the stomach. TIM! Briggs screamed frantically. Briggs collected himself and then calmly walked over to Tim and put the ball in his oversized right pocket of his jeans. Tim you alive?" Tim burped, but didn't respond. What Briggs then did is beyond the ability of even the most knowledgeable and full human personalities to understand, for it had never been done before. It didn't really matter if no one could understand it, because the only one who really saw it was the relatively dim-witted Granny Pops. Granny Pops' real name was Bobby, but she preferred Pops, as she didn't think that she was masculine enough to be a bobby. Besides, Granny Pops loved the attention she got for being so bold with her name. oh mmm, oh," was what Pops made of what Briggs had just done. Granny Pops had a good laugh, but instantly stopped when Briggs glanced over in her direction. What Briggs had done that was just so amazing was just doing a small and slightly outrageous victory dance as he was quite happy that his friend was alive. Meanwhile, Tim was merely dreaming. He had fallen into a deep sleep, not like a coma. After a few hours of Tim lying on the ground with no apparent response to the outer world, Briggs got more and more worried. It never occurred to him to phone the ambulance, and no one was around except for Granny Pops, who had apparently lost interest. Briggs had been pacing for quite some time now, and wasn't about to stop. He'd have to confront the reality of the situation if that happened. At that moment though, 4.15 of July 8th, a miracle happened. Mr. Plops, Granny Pops's husband, came rushing out of the house to check out the situation. Briggs saw him running at full speed and jumped. Briggs was quite frankly scared of Mr. Plops, as his complete nonsense attitude frightened him. Briggs was quite a practical teenager, and Mr. Plops was an old man that had had such an odd life that comprehending it was painful for Briggs. Mr. Plops had never seemed to pick up on Briggs's fear of him, and still greeted him with glee whenever he saw him. When Mr. Plops reached the scene of the incident, Briggs cringed and turned his head. This is a song called Subway Man by me and Eric off our album that we're working on called 765 Rooftops.
2: All silent. A man in the shadow waits He doesn't care if the subway's late He plays on his steel string guitar Coming from a time without pop stars The man's guitar case empty remains He gives and gives with no gains His suitcase is laid open bare With CDs, books and underwear He strikes upon the steel strings And in the darkness his cracked voice sings There comes a screeching halting noise there is no change in the old man's poise The subway train goes screaming past The suitcase shots from our wind blast, And the man still sings his lonesome tune Hearts, he said, they have their own. The man picked up his guitar. They gave him glances cold and stark. But he still boarded the subway, muttering his poem for another day.
0: That was a rough cut of the song Subway Man, which we're planning on re-recording with better quality everything. And that Eric was on vocals and rhythm guitar, and I was on lead guitar. response on a book I just read called Oliver Twist. After three and a half months of pushing through Oliver Twist, I think I'm writing this because I truly and most dearly believe that I have something to say on the matter. Old books are hard. The reason I picked Oliver Twist up in the first place was quite a reasonable one. It was the end of the day, and I'd heard about it and how it was a classic. I was up to the challenge. After getting to about halfway through Oliver Twist by reading it in a quirky old style British accent. I was thinking, this is absolutely bullocks, I've lost my mind! So with the help of my friends, I decided to listen to it as accompaniment. One chapter a day to get through their incredibly detailed and rich language. Authors were paid by the page back then. The daily discipline of reading Twist was not rewarding in the sense of experiencing a gripping plot, but more along the lines of meditation, not instantly gratifying, but after a while. I got the feeling of deep enjoyment that grows roots and is truly worth something. These old classics have something to say about our rich roots. They speak of issues and ways of the past and present that have made us who we are today, especially since stories are such a big part of our human experience, from the common stories of the day to the Bible. The book follows the young Oliver's childhood and how he is constantly put into the worst situations through the simple fact that he was born a bastard child and also being put into the hands of people most would avoid. He's an outcast in most people's eyes, and always seems to get the short end of the stick. The most famous line in the book is the contextually trivial and daring act of how Oliver gets picked to ask for some more girl. Please sir, can I have some more? It's captivated people because of its sheer innocence and sincerity that it's said with. It's great how the workhouse masters go crazy and kick him out. He then shuffles through places until he gets into the underworld of crime. After an incident with the law, the confused boy gets rescued by a kind and loving old gentleman. As soon as that taste of compassion comes along, it gets taken away and Oliver fights for that feeling of wholeness until the end. Charles Dickens himself wrote the story pretty much out of direct experience. He actually worked in a workhouse himself and had someone named Fagin in his life. Overall, I think that Oliver Twist is a great novel, and I'm proud to have read it. For musical spotlight, we're doing a band called Supertramp, as requested by Linda Thiessen Weeb of Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada. Here's a song by them. That was the song Breakfast in America by Supertramp. Here's a short biography of them.
2: Supertramp originated with Roger Hodgson and uh, Rick Davies who got backing from a Dutch millionaire and so they put advertisements in the newspaper and they got Palmer and Miller and they made their first album which wasn't a commercial success so they decided to take another look at it and do a more poppy style thing so they kicked out Palmer and Miller, got a few more got a few more new guys. And made indelibly stamped which got a little more chart success but not too much so they got lost the backing of their dutch millionaire from here they went on to make crime of the century which which they thought was their artistic peak and which is actually pretty good as a chart success got top, one of the top 10 in uh europe and top 40 in um usa they went on to make crisis what crisis Uh, Even in the quietest moments and then they really hit it when they got When they did breakfast in America, which got them which got them chart success But it didn't get them fame. They weren't like one of the sayings is they were the most popular band that could walk down the street and Walk down any street and not be noticed which is quite true because nobody knows the names or the band or the way uh, the band members look of Supertrap so After Breakfast in America, they went on to make Paris live, which was quite a success. Um, A two-disc live album, and then they did uh, Famous Last Words, uh, after which Roger Hodgson left, piggybacking off the um, success of the poppy and um, made-for-radio-style Famous Last Words. This didn't leave... Rick Davies' happy at all, obviously, and he went on to make Brother Where You're Bound, which got top 30 for Cannonball, which was one of the songs, and a lot of it um, uh, could be thought as directed at Roger Hodgson, because some of it's angry, but the 16-minute track on it, Brother Where You're Bound, is the real big one, um, which was based off of 1984, and had the help of David Gilmour, The Pink Floyd guitarist. After this, they went on to do some uh, other albums. In 1984, they got uh, number one on the dance charts with "I'm Begging You," which was kind of odd because that's not their style really. Because they're more. After that, they got more um, art rock and thoughtful and stuff like that. But um, they hit number one in dance charts, and their latest album, 2002, is called "Slow Motion." Uh, I'm Eric
0: and I'm Tiglath Pelezer the third
2: and we're gonna be talking about Supertramp
0: so how did you um, What did you what did you think of Supertramp after listening to them? I,
2: I actually I liked them a lot um there were some albums. I didn't like so much Actually only one indelibly stamped which actually had three nice bluesy al- songs on them the first three Yeah, and then it just got kind of bland and repetitive but um I thought that uh, most of the time they were very good. They had good sound and their are instrumental. It seemed to all flow together really well. Yeah. And it was like poppy and catchy sometimes. Yeah. But also they had like better lyrics than I had expected for a pop, for a pop band. Um, especially Brother Where You're Bound. That was a really good album.
0: Yeah. What how about do, you, How John? do you get a pop band?
2: Well, I don't know. Like originally pop just meant popular, right? But I guess. Now it means to have a certain tune that's kind of. Well, I kind of feel like pop is like a tune that's kind of repetitive, but it'll catch you.
0: Yeah, it's, yeah, pretty. It's popular. It's catchy.
2: It's catchy. Like it'll, it'll, you'll catch on to it immediately, and you won't be able to get it out of your head, which is good and bad. But at the same time, sometimes pop can be repetitive. Cause it, for the sake of getting it stuck in your head. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Repetitive, super- But I,
2: I don't think champ yeah. was like that most of the time. No, they,
0: they're a pretty good band.
2: Very good, actually. Yeah. And I would have considered them a rock band, not a pop band.
0: Definitely. But definitely.
2: What was your uh, response to them?
0: Uh, I really liked them. They were, uh, they're not my, they're not like amazingly, but good. But they've like some really good songs that are catchy and just. Good songs like the one you just heard, and um, yeah, I think they're a pretty solid band, mm-hmm. not as good as the Beatles, though.
2: Well, no, but I think if somebody asked me, Do you like Super Tramp? I'd say, Yes, I like Super Tramp. Same here. Um, did you have any experiences of Super Tramp before this week?
0: No, no, uh, I- no. I've heard of Breakfast in America, but vaguely, no, not, no, no. How about you? Mm.
2: Well, uh, my mom really likes Supertrap because that was her generation, kind of, or s- slightly before. But, um, so we brought it into the car once and I liked it, but I didn't really retain any of the tunes. So, and I was like, I kind of like to listen to them, but there's other things that take priority to listen to them. So it's really good that we just took this one week to just focus on them.
0: Listen and to all their music.
2: Listen to all, yeah, we uh, downloaded almost all their albums. We missed out of, on a few, but um, yeah. We got almost out and we listened to them, and that was it was really good. I got a full spectrum because you could really see them change.
0: You could see and them develop. change. Yeah, you definitely could.
2: Yeah. So, um, things you liked about Super Chat?
0: Well, they're catchy, they have good songs, they're um, a solid band, they're, they're um, humble, I guess. They, in your biography, you said, that you you wouldn't meet one of them on the street, so none of them, I guess, were really really. That's true. Big,
2: yeah, that's true. Yes. Well, maybe they would want to be big bigger yeah. if they could, but they, I think, it might have helped them that they didn't get big. A lot of bands sell out once they get big. Yeah. And super evolved. They did Evolved, in fact. In fact. Yeah. As it as it got more popular, it took it took a different road. Yeah. Um. So, what would be maybe your favorite album?
0: Um, uh, well, I, I, I didn't listen to them thoroughly enough to actually, probably, uh, probably Incredibly Stamped or Breakfast in America. Nice. Because I really like those three blues songs at the beginning of Incredibly Stamped.
2: You, Your Papa Don't Mind? Yeah. Is that it? Yeah. How about you? Um, probably Brother Where You're Bound. Actually, I was reading 1984 while I was listening to it, so that helped a lot. It's
0: based off it, eh?
2: Yeah. Uh and it was a very, very solid, solid album. Um, uh, and Supertramp, their actual first self-titled album, was really good. I like that a lot. Mm-hmm. And of course, Breakfast in America, Yeah. and like Crime, C- Crime of the Century, and Crisis, What Crisis.
0: So if you haven't listened to Supertramp, we suggest that you do, and if you don't, that's okay because you can listen to other stuff.
2: Yeah, check them out. They're kind of poppy and bluesy. And also, this is a suggestion, and our suggestions have been working really well.
0: If you have a suggestion, Email us at featheredtar at gmail.com
2: or e r i k b at shaw.ca. Love to do to focus on them. We have three suggestions coming up, so we might not get to yours for a while. Yeah, but um, don't give up hope. It'd be really great to hear to listen to to focus on new bands and widen our horizons.
0: So, here's an outro song.